the pride of Limerick, a young man named Sean Sheehan. The MMA media, Don Graham McDonald. The severe MMA people that are coming to the local shows way before everyone else. To see them coming up and they're getting their shot, and I'm proud that people are coming up with me. Episode 125 of the Severe Man Podcast is here. And this week it's a little bit different. Graham is off swanning off over in Las Vegas. So I had to get a special guest host to come in and join me. And I've gone, I think I've gone over and above with, with who I got. It's it's one of the, the top 58 journalists in MMA in the whole world. This man has covered things from Jim Miller all the way up to Diego Sanchez. He's he's one, he's one of the best in the world. It's Jeremy Botter. Jeremy, how are you? I'm good. I actually feel a little bit uh, confused, though, because like when my agent called and said they wanted me to do <laughs> Ireland's, Ireland's top MMA podcast, I was like, well, that's cool. I mean, I haven't done second captains like oh. in a while. And so <laughs> I was like, sure. I, you know, and then I just get on here and I'm with you, which is, you know, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out a way out of this. <laughs> well, look, Ken Early's a big fan of this anyway. He's probably listening, so you, you might get a you you might get another guest uh, appearance on Second Captains after he hears this. After you shout him out, I thought I, I thought you were going to say talking brawls there, which would be absolutely. I don't know what terrible. that is. I, I, no one does. It's okay. okay. Leave it off. Right. But uh, we're we're going to have the same sort of podcast as we have every week. Potter's going to be stepping in, just doing the Graham role, except probably better because Graham's terrible. We're going to talk about the Maymac presser the whole four days. We're going to look back at UFC Scotland a bit and look forward to White Milligan's Gaslam, Joe Duffy signing a new contract, things like that. Uh, I'm going to throw him at Jeremy. I haven't told him what we're going to talk about, so he probably doesn't have a clue, but that, that, that'd be grand anyway. Before we start that, Jeremy, we always have a bit of a, an old soccer talk at the start of the podcast. Seeing as you're a big Everton fan, Romelu Lukaku, we took your best player, give you our worst player. How, how do you feel about that? I actually feel pretty great about it. And, and you will too come about week three when Lukaku is not getting enough service on the ball and starts pouting on the field. That's going to go over real well uh, at Old Trafford, you know, and, and we saw it for years. Look, I mean, look, it, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's awesome that Lukaku's gone. Obviously, we would have loved to keep him, but he was a rental player for us for a long time. Uh, it's just kind of sucks that he leaves when we have money for the first time in the history of the club. But, you know, whatever. It's the way it goes. Got some good signings anyway. Class and Yacht. You got uh, Michael Keane. Who else? It's good signings. We have so many that I can't let, you know, we've got Davy <laughs> Klassen. We have so many that I can't even keep up. It's like every day is a new is a new signing, or at least a new rumor of a new signing. And I, I expect Oliver Giroud to come in this week, which will be, you know, he's a little bit old, but whatever. Uh, we've got a pretty good young team, Jordan Pickford. I, I'm, I'm actually excited about Everton. I'm, I'm not... You know, I mean, I, I told you privately, I think Man United wins the league this year. Um, I'm not saying that because I like you, because obviously I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that I think you've got a, a club to, you know, I think Lukaku is going to put you over the top. But I do think we can get top four. And I think the most important thing, I mean, I think you'll agree, too, is that Liver, as long as we beat Liverpool, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Like if we if we end up 13th, as long as they're 14th, it doesn't matter. I think everything can finish above Liverpool this year, just purely because Liverpool's style is so bad for the Champions League. Like yeah. last year, by January they were dead, and they they had only a they had only the league. So next year they're gonna have Champions League matches. Probably only have six Champions League matches anyway. They'll be knocked out straight away. But um, yeah, yeah. And, and really Liverpool's just terrible. You know, yeah, awful. So we can all agree on that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm working on my Graham impersonation. I, I guess I had to, I, like I need to just like start laughing at random points. Yeah, kind of. Giggle a little bit. That, uh, that's kind of conspiracy theories and stuff. Nine yeah. eleven. my job. You know all that kind of stuff. That that's yeah, pure. I've got it. 
that's just program right let's get into mma and i suppose the last week was just absolutely covered in mcgregor mayweather pressers tour all for where was it la um uh, toronto new, new york and then over to london just an overall sense. What what was your? I know you had an article for it in Bleach Report. We should mention that as well. Jeremy writes for Bleach Report amongst other people. How, I, I know you wrote an article, but tell us what do you think overall of the whole press tour? Was it a, a success or a failure? I mean, look, like I think you should separate it into two press tours because after the first two days, things kind of went off the rails. Um, and I wrote a story about that, and, and not in a good way. Sometimes these things go off the rails. You know, Monday and Tuesday were already off the rails, but in a good way. Like it was so weird, you couldn't couldn't turn your eyes away. Whereas you know, by day three and day four, uh, you had to kind of turn your eyes away because it was so offensive at, at parts. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think those last two dates did more harm than good, and I still don't know why they went to London and not Ireland. I mean, I get get London being a big business capital, but um, just that visual of, you know, another press conference in Ireland w would have made it all worth it. I think it would have made people forget about that awful, awful New York uh, appearance at the Barclays Center. And I, I don't really know why they did it. I still think they should, but I guess at this point it's probably too late. Um, I mean, look, if you just take them in a bubble and you take those first two days, especially the one in Toronto, if you just take the one in Toronto, I mean, I, by the time that ended, I was sitting here going, okay, this is going to do 6 million pay-per-view buys. Whereas before I didn't think it was going to beat, you know, uh, the Pacquiao Mayweather fight. And, and the truth is, is, is I, I guess I thought that because you could tell that these two guys actually like each other and you could just see that Mayweather is delighted to have somebody to actually build a fight with him. But then they started getting a little weird and saying offensive and sometimes racist things on when, on, on, you know, on day three, day four kind of lost me at that point. But up until then, man, I was all in and, and I'm still all in on the fight. Well, maybe not so much the fight, but the build up to the fight. Um, I'm all in on that. I'm excited for it. Um, it, it's, it is an exciting time. It, it is something that I don't think we're ever going to see replicated again. Uh, at least in terms of a UFC guy fighting somebody like that. Yeah. So I, you know, I, I want to enjoy it while we, while we can, uh, sometimes it's harder than it should be to enjoy it, but yeah, it, it's, it's kind of surreal though, Sean, right? Like, I mean, just seeing this, like what <laughs> in the hell is happening right now? It's, it's crazy. So weird. Like, it's like, I, I never thought this would happen. And the fact that this happened, it still kind of hasn't sunk in. And I know there's a lot, been a lot of bad parts when we, we get to the, the racism allegations and the homophobia in, in a second. But yeah, overall, like I, I still, I still think we're in like that bubble of weirdness. And it's weird because <clears throat> I think looking at the four press conferences, I think MMA and to a lesser extent boxing, but boxing as well, it's kind of their world. You know, we're used to people fucking and blinding at, at press conferences and, you know, <laughs> calling people hoes and saying, I'm going to fuck you up and everything. But like the outside world isn't per se. And, and now they're being brought into this and it's just so it's so foreign to them that they really can't. It's, it's absolutely alien to them altogether. Now, I think a lot of people are saying, you know, calling this a circus and everything. This, it, and that's exactly what it is. It's a circus and it's a circus because people, you know, people go to the circus, they go to see clowns, <laughs> they, you know, they, yeah, they, go, they know. go to see elephants. Yeah. But people, yeah. people do, you know, and that's, that's what they're doing. This is a circus to sell the fight. And I think people have a, a huge inability, I think outside of combat sports to see that this is actually price fighting and this is you sell a fight and then you fight. And you, you've said it for a long time. This is, 
very close to sports entertainment more and i think you said it's not a sports but it's more close to sports entertainment i kind of i think it's sports entertainment until you step inside the cage or the ring and then it becomes a sport like mcgregor like he's he's like a pro wrestler like mayweather has remember mayweather with the big sombreros and things going going into these fights coming up and like a you know a king's uh whatever you call it being carried in by four people into the ring we've seen this down through the years in in prize fighting and this is really, it's really no different. So, uh, look, I, I think the four press conferences, obviously the first one, McGregor was kind of caught unawares. Uh, he still did okay looking back at it, but I think he he didn't do as well because we were thinking he it was going to be like 10-8 rounds from the very start. He was going to destroy Mayweather, and he just didn't. The second day he came out, and he really did. I described it as a, a, um, a cross between Jeff Ross and Jim Ross. I think that's what it was. It's like a WWE roast battle. The third day, it just was absolutely terrible. Definitely McGregor's worst day. And the fourth day in, McGregor came back and was better again. And we obviously had the terrible remarks from Floyd as well on that day. But let's get into the the whole racism thing. I know you you talked a bit about it. What, what was your whole take on it? Because I remember that the boy comment i asked you about this i think it was you wasn't it like five or six months ago that i had yeah. never even heard about this and yeah i'm glad you you're on here so you can verify this like i don't think most people in ireland or maybe outside of america actually know about this and i'm not sure if mcgregor did or didn't but i think luke thomas made a great point that if you're in an area you have to be cognizant of you know the social and you know the not just the you know uh, uh, the things that happen in that area like if you come to ireland and you're waving around an english flag <laughs> people are not going to like it or it's not as bad as that but something like that you know or if you're in, above in, in northern ireland where all the troubles are and you walk down you know wearing a rangers or celtic jersey the people are not going to be happy with you and it's the same sort of thing when you make comments like that in america is that how you view it as well it is. And actually, these are all I'm taking notes right now because and, I, and I, you know this, but I mean, I haven't told anybody publicly like I'm, I'm coming to Ireland this week. Um, and so I'm taking little notes here of things not like I've got don't wave an English flag <laughs> in Dublin. Like, I, you know, and when I come up when I come up to, to Cork where you are in, in this crap old town that you say is the best town in Ireland, like I, I need to know these kinds of things so that I can avoid getting in trouble the way that Connor got in you know, trouble here that meant, but the truth is like that the boy comment, I mean, look like it, it's unfortunate, but I didn't really have that big of an issue with it, to be honest with you. I mean, I didn't, I don't think I even said anything publicly about it uh, because, you know, I do understand that, that it is a different culture um, boy. Like the way that you guys use that word is a completely different kid has a completely different connotation than it has here. And there's no way that Americans, I, I feel like Americans sometimes expect the world to adhere to our philosophies and our morals and like the way we talk, or at least we used to, uh, these days, I don't know how anybody could expect uh, the world to adhere to America's morals. We can talk about that some other time, maybe on a political podcast, but I, you know, it, it's, I feel like it's a bit of a stretch to expect somebody who does not live here. Who, I mean, you know, who has been here quite a bit, but who does not live here to understand all the intricacies of words and the way they're used. Um, and so I, you know, I gave him a pass on that first day, but then he, they got to, uh, they got to New York uh, mm -hmm. and then he kind of unfortunately blew it out of the water yeah. with his follow up, with his follow up, follow up comments were not exactly what I would call on point uh, or on message. So, you know, that was kind of when I had to say, okay, look, like, you know, you offended people or, you know, and instead of maybe explaining, Hey, look, I don't, I don't know how that word you use as part of my everyday vernacular back home. Uh, instead of doing that, he made a giant a dick joke. So I, uh, 
you know, at that point, I couldn't really give him a pass. But yeah. I, I think the Hulk Hulk doubled down that. on it, wasn't it? It was, he yeah, just totally doubled down on it. It was, no, it that's was the thing. It, you, you see that with a lot of personalities, like that. Like, I mean, I mentioned, you know, I mean, look at Donald Trump, like Donald Trump, when he says something stupid, he, you know, is he ever going to admit defeat? No, I mean, there's a certain kind of alpha male tendency to those kind of people, and Connor is that kind of person where. He's not really going to admit he's wrong until after the fight. We've seen a lot of humility from him after his fights. Um, but he's not really going you know, right now you think he's going to admit he's wrong? No. You're just going to double down, double down, and triple down. Yeah, like the, the joke was obviously in bad taste. And I think he said, obviously, the joke about him having a big dick and stuff. It was like, I, I was thinking about this the other day, but there's kind of three people, right, in, in this, you know, looking at it. There's people who are kind of uh you know he shouldn't have done that but you know don't really care understand what he was trying to do and he that he just fucked up badly then there's the people who absolutely hate it and you know will say go out and call him a pure racist you know just absolutely dra drag him down and then the people who like it you know and there's it's a weird thing yeah. because you hear all those voices on social media especially yeah and you also get a mixture of those last two groups where people who actually like it but they have to be outraged in public you know, mm -hmm. and, and yeah. on social media, they have to be the outrage guy, you know, and like that, that's all fine and good. It's just my biggest thing. I think that not so much the doubling down. It's just like, dude, you're out there selling a fight. You have four cities, four dates to sell this fight. And I don't know about you, Sean, but like what sells a fight to me is not how big someone's dick is. Like, I don't, that doesn't really do, that doesn't really sell a fight for me. I wanted to see more of those face-offs and more of them laughing at each other. And I wanted to see a bigger vocabulary from Mayweather. I, he kind of just settled in on a couple of choice words by the end. That That's the kind of stuff that was doing it for me in Toronto. And you had those insane visuals of the crowd and Dana White just cracking up as he counts all of his, you know, the money that he's going to be making off this fight. And that's the kind of stuff that was interesting. Uh, and then it just got real vulgar on the third day. And, you know, I think that was the biggest letdown. Uh, if they had stopped it in Toronto, canceled the whole thing, would have been perfect. Yeah. And then I suppose we must talk about Mayweather as well. And, you know, he made a comment about using foreign fighters, which is a bit weird, but I think people understood what he was kind of getting at. But then he called McGregor a faggot as well, which... Yeah. McGregor was kind of attempting to at least joke his way out of it or hide, you know, the accusations that had been made against him. But Mayweather kind of just went full on at it. And do you think he actually, you know, people are saying, oh, McGregor's turned heel after the third day. Do you think Floyd kind of took that back after those comments on the fourth day? Yeah, you talk about not capitalizing on an opportunity. Yeah. I mean, good God, Floyd Mayweather. Like, he had a chance to be the classy guy. I mean, you had him apologizing to Dana White for the things that he said. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people like that apologize to Dana White? Like, you had your chance uh, to really just be, to, to rise above, to be the classy guy, to show a little bit of restraint. And instead, Mayweather's like, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to go out there and use a homophobic slur. That'll do it. I mean, like, yeah, that, that was a little bit weird. Yeah, it was, but it, it really was. Like, I don't think there's any standing up for him anyway. Like, uh, McGregor was definitely bad, and doubling down on it, as we as we said, made it worse. But Mayweather was just, I think he was struggling so badly. Like, I think McGregor did fairly well in the fourth day. He kept it short, and he said, like, he said some funny things. But then Mayweather kind of had nothing to say. You know, I, I think the first day he went so well his way that he thought after after that maybe he could just keep saying those same things as you said over and over and he kind of did that and people were kind of tired of it the crowd was very much against him in london and i think it was just 
see the, the weird thing about these get on to kind of another point is like as i was saying other sports are you know they're very kind of cookie cutter and you know they have pr people telling them what to say in interviews and like that where mma and boxing are kind of totally different from that and i think what people actually love about that is you can hear what they actually think you can hear the real people but when it gets to four days and you have to you know i have to say original stuff four days in a row when you're not being asked questions when you're basically going up doing a stand-up routine that's just that's just impossible and i'm not saying you know i don't think most people will come out with things that mcgregor and mayweather said but when you're trying to slag someone off like that for four days in a row it's it's kind of inevitable inevitable that these fucking <laughs> insane bastards are going to say something really weird, especially Mayweather, who's who's proven to be kind of a shit human down through the last few years. Right, and look, I mean, this is not, I mean, if this were like the 1980s when you had, like in pro wrestling, when they would go from town to town to town and do the exact same show night yeah. after night, because there was no TV, but I mean, this thing was streaming, uh, streaming on like 82 different YouTube channels, and then it was also live on Fox Sports 1 here in America. And like, granted, nobody watches Fox Sports 1, mm-hmm. but I mean, there was probably 100,000 people watching it. And I mean, they, dude, Sean, they were aired unedited like as it happened. I mean, I've never heard that kind of language on a just a basic cable channel. Even HBO, I've never heard it. Um, and, and so it was super interesting the first day, but they didn't realize that they were doing it four days in a row and it was the same exact thing. And so I don't know if, I don't know if Mayweather was aware that everybody was watching the exact same, you know, exact <laughs> yeah. same show every single day. But I mean, he sure kind of acted like it. He, he pretty much kept on saying the, it's like you said, he had the catchphrases. I mean, I don't even know what this hard work, like, what does the crowd say back when he says hard work? Dedication. It's a Dedication? Yeah. He, he, yeah. It was three hard works and dedications. Now it's four, and last they went to about eight. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, because there's nothing more interesting than to, to fight fans than screaming hard work and dedication, right? Like, and by day four, it's like, dude, can we come up with, like, I'll help you come up with a new word. And we can just we can workshop it real fast and get it out for the fans. It'll be a whole lot better. But by, be dude, by day, yeah, I mean, by day four, my wife and I, like we were, we had, we had them on every day here. And by the, by day four, it's like, I don't even want to watch this shit. Like this is yeah. so, this is so boring. Can't read. At the end of the day, though, do you think it's, it, do you think it's good or bad? You know, it, I, I know there's a bit of both in it, but do you think it'll, I know you said after the second day, you think it'll sell, it'll do 6 million pay-per-views. Where do you think you are now? I, I think it's still probably going to beat Mayweather Pacquiao. I, I guess it all depends on what happens from here and i think a lot of that is going to be on this um this all access series that's going to air on showtime and honestly when you told me that graham was working on it i was like well now it's going to do like two million pay-per-view but it's terrible the show's going to be terrible because graham's working on it but like no you know in all seriousness i mean that show that show has caused me to buy boxing pay-per-views that i had zero interest in until it started and it is a phenomenal phenomenal series and i'm sure graham's going to do a fantastic job and I, i i think that if that show does as if, if it is as good as it usually is and the UFC promotes that show and airs kind of McGregor's side of that show, I think you're looking at I think you're looking at at least five, five and a half million pay-per-view buys. Really? Jesus. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. See, my thinking is like there's a lot of boxing people who won't buy this because of this, the, you know, because of it being in circus and because of it, you know, a lot of people don't think it's a real fight. 
but how many actual boxing fans are there like that? You know, that might take take away two hundred thousand buys. If if you're thinking it's going to be five and a half million, it's not going to make much of a difference, really, is it? You know, it's right. Well, uh, and I also heard I don't know if it's been announced yet, but I heard that it's if you buy it in the UK, it, it's a hundred and twenty nine. No, that's hashtag fake news. That's that's is not it? Good, okay, no, no way. Yeah, like the, the Pacquiao Mayweather one was I think twenty five pounds or something like that. If you um, have a Sky Sports uh, subscription, uh, right? Yeah, no, that that was a fake tweet. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely not real. It hasn't oh, I even... didn't see it on tweet. I didn't see it on Twitter. Oh no, no. Oh, where did you see it? Maybe it's real though. But I, that's just, <laughs> nobody's going to buy. It. If that's the case, it's going to uh, do yeah. zero value. You know, I'll tell you what. I'll try, to my point or I'll try to confirm yeah. or deny that today. That that'll be my mission, and I'll get back to you on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know, man. I, I think I think that you're looking at kind of the perfect confluence of events here. I think that people you're going to have a lot of people who come who have no intention of buying it, but come the day of the fight will have all their friends talking about it. And they feel like they have to be a part of it because that's where the biggest pay-per-view buys for combat sports come in is when people feel like they are missing out on something and they want to be a part of it that you get those last minute buys. I think that's what happens here. I think, I think that's what takes it from, you know, two and a half million up to, to four and a half and five million. Yeah. All right. Before we move on from this, just briefly, obviously, while we have you, we haven't heard your side in this. What do you think of the actual fight? Do you think it's going to be much of a fight? Do you think McGregor can do anything or do you just think Floyd's going to destroy him? I mean, look, it, any anything can happen in a fight, right? And I mean, yeah. if Connor can land, um, <laughs> Floyd's an old man. You know, I mean, it's... If Connor can land a punch, any anybody Connor can knock out anybody in the world with that punch. Yeah. Um, boxing, MMA, whatever. Uh, but that being said, I think it, it it'd be more prudent to kind of err on the side of caution and understand that Floyd Mayweather is almost never hit in any of his fights by by professional boxers who have been doing it for twenty five years. Uh, much much less an MMA fighter coming in on his first pro fight. Uh, I'm not giving Connor zero chance, but anybody who gives him more than you know a a puncher's chance. To win the fight, I think is kind of deluding themselves. Honestly, there's no way that you can look at skill versus skill and their histories and come away thinking that Conor McGregor has a very good chance to win the fight. Right? I mean, you're the fight analyst, dude. You do this stuff better than me. But there's like, I look at it, I watch their fights, and I just can't come up with a way. Yeah, I'd be in the same. Like, if he hits him straight on and and full power. He can he can knock him out. That's just a matter of fact. But uh, as you said, it's hitting me. Whether he's he's fought the best boxers in the world for the last ten years, and none of them have been able to do it. You know, so can McGregor do any different? No. Like I don't think it's like I, I, to start. I was very much against it, but I've kind of I, I my views change a little bit because of just the overreaction. To, like they're acting like McGregor is coming in here and. Like he's not a fighter. It's you know people calling him a zero and zero fighter, which he is in boxing. But he has what 25, 26 MMA fights. You know, yeah, those are fights, and it's that big fight experience as well. Like I think Graham talks about it an awful lot. He sees lads going into these big cards, and they kind of it fucks up their mind. And he, like even someone like Jose Aldo when he fought McGregor, he'd never really experienced a huge card like that where he was the headliner. You know. And, yeah. and most people don't like and McGregor can just seem to handle that better than other people. And I think that is the biggest factor going into this fight, which will help him. But I still I it still is. think uh, Floyd has the is just gonna walk it to be honest. Yeah. But and the thing is is like that's usually an advantage for McGregor. Usually he can, you know, he kind of thrives in that that boiler uh that that 
atmosphere where the pressure is just so great. But I mean, look, dude, this is on the other side. This is Floyd Mayweather. He's been in the biggest pay-per-views of all time, you know? So that's another thing that you can't put um, in his corner. I mean, and again, it's like you said, like he does have 25 or 26 MMA fights. This isn't like, like Andrew McGahan going in and fighting Floyd Mayweather. (laughs) Like this is, this is a guy who actually has combat sports experience, uh, not just that silly jujitsu stuff. Like he's, he's actually going in to fight. Um, But like you know it always comes back you like that huh yeah, the, the yeah. pajamas yeah you can go to any yeah like in his pajamas it's not he's not going in there in his pajamas to fight floyd mayweather but i mean it, it all comes back for me like if you watch the there's a ton of slow motion vids on twitter and on youtube of, of people of floyd mayweather's opponents trying to punch him and just the wizardry he uses to escape yeah. uh it's just hard for me to imagine connor hitting him but hey dude like if he does I'm telling you right now, if Conor McGregor knocks out Floyd Mayweather, I mean, I'm not. I will probably shit my pants. I will probably mm. shit my top because it will be such a moment, such an exciting moment for that guy. Like, and also at that point, I'm gonna have to dust out my copy of The Secret and just start reading it every day. Uh, <laughs> yeah, when Floyd when Floyd got out of school back that day, I was hoping he had The Secret inside and pulled it out. Imagine how brilliant that would have been. <laughs> it would have been brilliant. <laughs> it would have been hilarious. Actually, but just on the whole analysis there, you mentioned it, like. What do you think about people kind of picking sides? You know, I think Brendan Schaub has done this more than anyone. And I know Brendan Schaub is, I'm not sure if he actually believes these things or if he's picking sides, but lots of people seem to be, you know, what, what do you think on that? Do you think, like, I know that's a big thing in America, like the whole Skip Bayless kind of Shannon Sharp thing where they pick sides and that, you know, they debate about it. But are, are you a fan of that or do you? No, think God, no. First of all, I'm not a fan of Brendan Schaub. Uh, secondly, I, I, I think there's two kinds of people who are who will pick um okay let's say three kinds of people who would pick conor mcgregor and swear to you that they believe it right now first of all you have uh you know other mma fighters um who pick him because they yeah they want to believe that they have the same kind of skills as the floyd mayweather which you know surprise surprise they don't uh so but that's one kind of person who will pick him second kind are ufc fans who have kind of siphoned this into an us versus them uh, war, you know, it's MMA versus boxing. Whoever wins this fight, their sport is the best, which is obviously a bunch of bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. you know that I know that, but that's the other kind of person. And then the other kind of person is like the Brennan Chaub or, um, you know, some other folks who, some other talking heads or people on Twitter who like, will swear, look, bro, I swear all he has to do is punch him with his left and he can win this fight. Yeah. No shit, dude. <laughs> like the reason they, they do that is so that if it happens, then they are the guy who picked Conor McGregor yeah. to knock out Floyd Mayweather on Twitter. Yeah. And look, dude, I mean, ha- have I done that in the past? Maybe so. Maybe I've done that before. Maybe I was like one of the few people who picked Brock Lesnar to beat Cain Velasquez uh, just so that I could I could say that, hey, I knew it all along. Look, I picked him, which, you know, I can tell you right now, I, there's no way in my heart I believed any of that. And just like that, I, I, I don't believe there's any of these people, Brendan Schaub, whoever it is, that actually can say that with utter conviction outside of Conor McGregor, you know, Tony and Max McGregor. Um, do, you think do you think Conor believes it? I mean, I think Conor is more of a realist maybe, yeah. but I mean, dude, you can't go into a fight like this without having utter belief in yourself and your skills <laughs> that you, that you can get it done. And, Look, I mean, hey, dude, Connor may be the one guy who believes it's going to happen and has visualized it because, I mean, who am I to say that's bullshit? Like, so far, it's worked pretty well for him. But I, I think that the people around him, you know, Owen Roddy, uh, Artem, 
uh, Andrew McGahan. I think those are the people who who have to who who believe. Like they're the ones who believe, you know, believe because they are around him and they have to believe, and he's their guy or he's their boss. In Andrew's case, they they have to believe, you know, and and so. I, but I think those are the three kind of people who, man, we're getting <laughs> some good. Good. <laughs> I like it. I can bring you on are every we? week. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that. I like that. I mean, I could just come on once a week and just slam Andrew if you want me to. Mm, I, like I like it. And we know he listens as well. He's obsessed. You know, he's obviously. Yeah, of course he does. Of course he does. I mean, he's gonna like. He's probably got a Google search that searches audio for mentions of his name. And so, here you go, Andrew. This is for you. Andrew McGann, North Korea. There you go. All right, let's. We're going to spend the whole podcast talking about that, so we better. Uh, we better move on. Actually, last question. One word, McGregor. Do you think he'll ever fight again, whether it's MMA or boxing? I, I don't think so, man. Like, I mean, I've been saying for a couple of years that you know he's he's looking to get in, um, get in, get out as quickly as possible. And and here's a guy who's about to make, uh, you know, 125 million dollars for one fight. Do you think he's? Get, really going to go back to the UFC and fight a killer like Khabib for, for three to 10 million, uh, you know, 12 million tops. I, I don't think so. Um, I think he's had in his head for a long time that, uh, the plan is to get in, make as much money as possible and get out before suffering any kind of brain damage. Because truthfully, I mean, I think the guy has bigger plans than just MMA. A lot, a lot of guys get into the sport and they, that's their end goal. They want to be the world champion. Conor McGregor, the world championships, just a means to an end you know i mean look dude i mean we were talking about sports entertainment earlier look mm. at the name of his company mcgregor sports and entertainment that's a guy who has who has real big plans um i i am a hundred i'm 99 sure he never fights for the ufc again and i think the fact that dana white is now out there admitting what i've been telling people for for a year and a half um that he you know there's a chance he may not fight in the ufc again i think that's a sign I think that everybody is aware of it. They're t they're getting one last payday, and then where does he go from here? Does he really stick around and fight? You know, especially if he, he loses badly, does he stick around and fight Canelo Alvarez or Triple G? I, I don't think so. I think you see him shift into a businessman role, start promoting his own fights. I still have this feeling that one day he's going to try to promote one of his own fights at Croke Park, and I, I know the logistical nightmares surrounding that, um, but. I still think that's in his plans. In fact, I mean, I know he's told people that's in his plans. So I guess we'll see. But as far as coming back to the UFC, man, I I, I really hate to break it to everybody, but I, I don't think he ever comes back. What about you, though? Yeah, I, I'm I'm unsure. I, I, like I, he always, as you said, he's always said, get in, get rich, get out. And I was always kind of 50 50, and I like I definitely leaning towards him not fighting again. But the this talk about fighting Habib in Russia, it just seems like that's something he told Dana White to appease him. Yeah, you know, right. Like, why would you do that? Like, he he has yeah. gone on record before saying Habib can't. You know, if he, if he signs to fight Habib, like from his mind, he thinks Habib could pull out injured. He's done it so many times before, missed weight. Like, it's yeah. When you're someone like him who you can pick and choose whoever you want. Plus, <clears throat> if you're having it in Russia, you don't have the media like you have in Las Vegas or New York or in America like that to sell the pay-per-views and that's a huge part of it and i know if it's mcgregor it'll sell itself but that definitely is a huge part of it as well you know having the espn behind you and all that so it, yeah. it makes no sense to me i i'm not sure no no i mean i can see him dude i can honestly like knowing dana for as long as i have and him hating me as much as he hates me now like i can oh, see how that i guess dude i can see how that plays out like dana's like come on bro like you've got to come back you've got to come back just one more fight and why don't you fight Khabib in Russia? And Connor probably patted him on the head and was like, "Yeah, that's yeah, we'll do that, Dana. Yeah, 
we'll do that. <laughs> I suppose. I suppose only time will tell, Jeremy, and we will, we probably won't have you back on. But uh, we, we, I suppose. In it, I mean, I, I'm, I'm already going to have to fire my agent, John, for yeah, I know your show instead of second captain. So do you do you actually have an agent, or is he just no? Does, I don't. Like Ariel does, doesn't he? I thought you might be up. He there, does. You know, to, no, I'm nowhere near Alwani's level. I mean, yeah. come on, like, I'm like like. It, there's the upper tier, which is like Ariel, uh, you know, Ben folks, people like that. <clears throat> well, I mean, Ben's an asshole, but like he, you know, he's still an amazing writer, Chuck Mendenhall. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mid tier. Um, I'm kind of like, like, if you look at it as like a soccer system, I, I consider myself part of the U21 team. Like I'm, I'm kind of part of the under 21 team. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not, I'm not quite there. Five, so am I, I'm like uh, fucking Shamrock Rovers or something like that. Is it? Yeah. You are part. No, no, you're not actually even playing for the club. You weren't good enough to be on the club. And so what happened was is you joined like a firm and you go to yeah. the pub and you get hammered and then you get fights every weekend. I'm in Green Street. So. Yeah, uh, exactly. All right, let's move on to, to last week's card. And I know you, you saw a bit of this, but we, we want to hit on many of the fights here. We'll, we'll hit on the ones we kind of care about. Charlie Ward, did you see that? Uh, where Galore Bufando kind of muscled him to the ground, threw him, yeah, and he landed on his head. That was, for me, that was one of the most worrying things I've seen in, in an octagon for a long time. Like, when Charlie landed, it didn't look like he got knocked out. It looked like he got kind of spiked on his head. And it was just, it was really unfortunate. You know, it was kind of a cool knockout if you're looking at it from Bufando's point of view. But from Charlie Ward, when you've already lost devastatingly in your UFC debut, come in there and a lot of people criticizing you as well obviously you know conor mcgregor is kind of his manager and and people are saying you know he charlie ward is a good fighter and we know that but he definitely got into the ufc too early and for to go so badly in his first fight and then for it to be so unlucky in his second fight was just really unfortunate did you think it was an unfortunate ko or do you think this was just great skill and he meant to do it no, no, no. He, dude, clearly. Let's be clear. He did not. Most people have been saying, "Oh, that's really cool. It's one of the best knockouts." I was like, "That's just pure luck, what are you? dude. It's an accident. It's an yeah. ac- like, okay, look, it's a cool knockout, but let's not pretend that you fucking did it on purpose. Like, yeah. we, nobody in the in the world can say they did. I mean, there are people in the past who have, you know, I mean, they have made a living out of spiking people. Even outside of MMA, you've got Alexander Carlin, who, like, you know, if you've ever seen his wrestling matches, he had pretty much a finishing move where he would just drop people on their head. But this was not that at all. Um, it was just an unfortunate KO. And, and honestly, like, it gave me a real weird feeling, like when you see a pro wrestling move, which we you know, pro wrestling move that's totally fake goes wrong. Um, yeah. And it looks like that. It looks a lot like that. Like if you see a, a pile driver that didn't get taken properly, it, it looks a lot like that, man. And, and like you know, the AJ Styles', Styles move. What's that called? The um. Yeah, the cells clash, or like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You take that wrong, you don't. I mean, it looks a lot like that, or what, like when Steve Austin got piledrived by Owen Hart yeah. back in the nineties, and his head was too far down. And it's that same. It, you can tell, like, oh, something's off here. Like that's not a normal looking. That's not a normal looking KO. And and I had just, I had just tuned in when that happened, and I kind of, I screamed actually out loud because I mean, that that was worth. It was very worrying. Um, it's the kind of thing. I mean, I worry for all these guys' health because obviously they're doing uh, incredible things in there and taking incredible amounts of punishment. So I worry for their long-term health, but it's not that often where something happens and I worry about their immediate health. Yeah. There's been there's been a few times where I've been covering a fight. I mean, like Anderson Silva, you know, his leg against Chris Weidman. I mean, I almost threw up on press row um, just because it was so horrible. And it was one of those immediate gruesome injuries that you know is not going to affect him when he's 70 but affects them right now and that's how i felt about this 
Yeah, it was pretty bad. And I suppose, look, from Charlie Ward's point of view, I doubt he's going to get another another fight in the UFC. As I said, he got in a little bit too early, but he's still a, still definitely a talented guy. A little bit like Paul Redmond as well back in the day. Got two fights in the UFC. You know, featherweight, not his natural weight. Got, you know, got uh, ba- badly beaten by Mirsad Bektic in the first fight and got knocked out by Robert Whiteford in the second fight. Yeah, and, you know, I think this is a, a similar sort of thing for Charlie Ward. Look, maybe the McGregor factor will, will get him another fight, but... Uh, and it will. This is unlucky. It Do you think it will? I, I'm not yeah, sure. Dude, dude, look at Artem. I mean, like, come on. Like, I love that guy. I love watching that guy fight. But I mean, he wouldn't have been in the UFC if not for Connor, and he's still in the UFC because of Connor. Um, it, you know, if Ar- Artem's still around, Charlie Ward is is. If Artem's still around, and then guys like you know MLS name faceless defender Bobby Nash are still fighting <laughs> the UFC, then then this you know Charlie Ward's gonna get another fight. Yeah, well, at least Artem's put a few wins together and he did pretty well against Cubs, so I think. That's uh, true. Poor Artem Ivan. Speaking of Irish people, I suppose Neil Seary. I know you've been a fan of Neil Seary for a while. This yes. is obviously his retirement fight at the weekend. Put on another absolute war against Alexander Pantoja. I thought it was fight at night. It didn't get it, which I thought was a joke, to be honest. Um, the, the fight that got it, Danny Roberts versus Bobby Nash. Or, or was it that? Uh, which fight was it? I have no idea. I stopped paying attention. Uh, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, let me look. Oh, it was Timor against Henry, actually. Yeah, that was a good fight as well, but I yeah. definitely thought Siri got it. From kind of an outsider's point of view, what, what was your, what's your take on Neil Siri? I know a lot of people have been talking about him this week. I think PC wrote a good article about him. You've been in Ireland a couple of times, you know, you, you know, the affection that people have towards Neil Siri. Are you a big fan of his as well? Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what, my, my thing with Neil Siri is uh, Neil Siri as a person is a lot more like my experiences with the Irish people, yeah. you know, when I've, when I've been to Ireland. My experience is I, I think that the MMA fans in America have this feeling that the Irish people are a lot like Conor McGregor. Um, because that's like their the breadth of their experience with with Irish people, and they're not. Let me tell you, they're not. They're a lot more like Neil Siri. They're quiet and and, and super friendly. Um, and Neil Siri, I mean, I, I was introduced to him by PT, you know, PT Carroll, and like for PT to to love some, I don't think it's possible for for number one. I don't think it's possible for PT to love another human being as much as he loves Neil Siri, right? Like he does, he loves Neil mm-hmm. Siri probably more than he's going to love his own children when he has kids. And, and but it, there's a reason, man. That is just a good dude. Like he's a good salt of the earth, really kind, uh, grizzled old man, strength veteran. And I really, really like that. Um, it's kind of a palate cleanser after last week's madness of the Mayweather McGregor World Tour. Like then we got to settle in and watch Neil Siri do his thing. And, and I think there's a reason. That that's so enjoyable and like the reason like I mean I, I don't know if you saw but Bruce Buffer went up to him and hugged him after yeah. the fight and talked to him and I think there's a reason that Neil Siri connects with people um, and he does so for completely opposite reasons of Conor McGregor um, and I mean I'm gonna miss the guy like it it sucks that it took him so long to get or it took the UFC to get those lower lower weight classes yeah. um, because I think Neil Siri you know would have been a star uh, a big time star if you, and for entirely different reasons than Connor. Again, I think he would have been a big, big time star, um, especially in that flyweight division. Had he come along in his prime instead of just, a, you know, 40 years past his prime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't like, I think once the flyweight division came in when he was in cage warriors, I think he won like four fights in a row and won the cage warriors belt for got into the UFC against Brad Pickett, shortened all his fight, which was one of the fights of the year. And that year it was a brilliant fight. And anyone, what he won like three or four, I think it went four and three or three and four or something in, in the UFC, which for a guy, as you said, his age coming into the UFC, it's pretty good to be honest. I think like if, if yeah. that division had been there, 
you know, five, six years earlier, he could have been up there, but they're like, same could be said for maybe for Ian McCall and things like that. It's just, it came too late for them. Uh, and Joseph yeah, Benavidez uh, too. I mean, all these guys, yeah. like Joe's still a fantastic fighter, but I mean, the, for everybody who's not Mighty Mouse Johnson, this the divisions came probably a little bit too late. I mean, it yeah, really did. Definitely, yeah. But just on the, I, I think, like, he, it's kind of, Neil is the old school Irish MMA fighter, like, like with the likes of John Cavanaugh when he was fighting with the likes of Owen Roddy, obviously, who people know as Coach and McGregor now, Chris Fields, who's still fighting. Now, there's only a couple of them really left, and McGregor is kind of the new age, kind of bringing in guys, you know, like the, the Dylan Chooks or the, the Charlie Wards or, you know, all Paul Hughes and all those guys. Like James it's, Gallagher, James yeah, Gallagher. yeah, definitely. Yeah, but it, it's funny. Like, serious, he's a nice guy, but he's a prick at the same time. And Irish people love that, you know. It's yeah, he, he is just like he is exactly like you, <laughs> honestly. Like the like, shit out of you, yeah. You're mostly a prick, but I mean, it, he mm -hmm. really is. Like, I mean, uh, it's you know, in my experience, you can tell me if I'm wrong, but I mean, like, kind of, kind of salty, kind of an asshole, yeah. but at the same time, give you his shirt off his back. Yeah, that's exactly what, and that's what most pe Irish people are like. There is definitely a section like McGregor as well, who, you know, her footy and will jibe the shit. Like, we're all, I think it's all kind of different, different uh, branches of the same tree. Kind of, you know, the, the yeah. a, a big, a big cocky, but not too cocky, and will just take the piss out of everyone. And I think Neil right. Siri, Neil Siri definitely, definitely personifies that. I like. It's a pity to see him retire, but I'm glad. You know, he's he talked in an interview he did with Severe, maybe I don't know, maybe eighteen months, two years ago now about. You know how people should prepare themselves, and you know he's always worked a full-time job. Uh, you know, the fighting shouldn't be your everything. If you're in a position like Neil's or like almost everyone on this card that was in Scotland, you know, you're you're not going to be making a living out of this. You you can't live. You you, you might get five six years in the UFC if you're very very lucky. That's not going to last you for the rest of your life. You know, and I think Neil Seary has been a big proponent of that, and that's something which I think you know is a lasting legacy of his. Someone who can work a full-time job you know have a family while fighting as well at the same time and that's something that's maybe dying out but something that obviously that can't really die out because the, the money hasn't gone with kind of the professionalism that's been brought into the game and every, no you know everyone can't be a conor mcgregor or everyone can't be you know a, a ronda rousey or whatever and i see most people won't be able to survive off, off of what they make from uh from fighting no um, and that's unfortunate you know and that should not be that shouldn't be the case, but then again, the UFC should be restricted to the absolute best of the best, right? And yeah. I mean, instead of essentially being a giant umbrella organization with with a bunch of good guys and then a bunch of developmental guys, like I mean, you know, like MLS defender, faceless defender Bobby Nash, or other people I've never heard of. I mean, I, I make jokes about that, but I mean, it's true. Like I tune into yeah. these UFC cards and and. You know, John Anik or, or John Gooden says, well, he's going for his third UFC win. And I'm like, I've never fucking seen this dude in my life. Um, and, I, and I've watched a lot of fighting, in my, not as much as you, but I've watched a lot of fighting in my lifetime. And I've never heard of some of these people. I think that as long as the UFC is that kind of, you know, it, it, if it's not limited to the best of the best, if you can get like Cynthia Calvillo, right? I mean, she's fantastic. She's terrifying. But yeah. she was also, what, 3-0 and when she got in the UFC or 4-0? Yeah. I mean, that's that kind of thing never used to happen. And as long as the doors are open to those kind of fighters, even if they do become stars, I think you're going to see far more and not become stars and not make the kind of money you need to survive. Um, and then it's just, it's a hobby. I mean, you're fighting for the best organization in the world, but it's a hobby. Yeah, let's move on to that Cynthia Calvillo fight now that you mentioned it. Did, how did you score that? Did you score for Calvillo? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I, th I believe I had a 29-28, and I think I was kind of leaning for 30-27. Uh, but, I mean, the 29-28, you know, the 
the way that she stole the uh, the last uh, the first round and the third round uh, there in the last. 38 seconds. I believe she got the takedown with 38 seconds left to go in both rounds. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was a Justin Buckholz thing or what, but uh, you know, I, I mean, she essentially sealed the deal on those two, uh, on those two takedowns and, and going for the rear naked choke. I mean, I, in the third round, I thought she was actually going to tap out Jojo, which was um, somewhat surprising, but I, yeah, I, I, I think she did enough. I mean, Jojo had some good spots here and there, but really she wasn't pushing the pace like she used to. I mean, she used to be like a like a whirlwind pushing the pace and in Invicta and some of her other fights, and, and now she's kind of settled into kind of – maybe you can tell me if this is right. It seems to me that she's kind of settled in to become more of a less effective counter striker. Yeah, I think when you come to a higher level as well, especially Calvi, I think she's very, very good. It's just, it's just harder, and especially at the lower weight class, she isn't getting the, the knockouts which she, you know, which she normally would. And people know that she's a good striker as well, and will stay out of her way. Like this fight, I I think it, in a little way, it shows the limitations of the scoring system because Calderwood was winning the, those two rounds for most of them, like not winning by much. But then Cavio wins thirty eight seconds once. She almost got a submission, which I can see. You know, definitely that was more effective than anything that had happened in the round so far. So I'm fair enough with that. But the other one, okay, she got her down. She was taken aback, but nothing really happened, and she still won that round. Like I don't know. Uh, it's weird because like you disregard the first four and a half minutes just for the last thirty seconds, and that's always been the case in MMA. And yeah, I think it's just a. Uh, what can you do? I'm not even sure what you can do, but I, I think Calderwood had has reason to be a little bit deflated after this uh, for losing. I, th- I think she could have won 29-28, but I think it's either 29-28 Calderwood or 30-27 Calvio. It depends which way you want to see it. Uh, but yes, it, it was a tough one. Yeah. For me, I well, I mean, if a lo- you said it yourself, I mean, nothing really happened. Like if a lot, if, if Calderwood had actually not so much even dominated, but had a significant edge or an advantage over Calvillo uh, in those two rounds before the takedown, I, I would easily, I mean, I, I would be conflicted about scoring it yeah. but because those takedown, because the taking of the back was the dominant position of the round. And because she was fighting for a finish, I, I can't really help, but give it to her. I mean, if Calder would have knocked her down, knocked her, um, you know, maybe not even come close to a finish, but at least landed some strikes that kind of wobbled her. I'd be a lot more conflicted, dude. But I mean, because nothing really happened because she landed some strikes here and there. I, it's hard for me to discount that, that dominant position. Yeah. Um, I tend to lean the same way. Uh, Calvia, do you think she can be a champion? Uh, I mean, she it wasn't her most impressive display on Sunday, but I still think she's pretty good. I think, I think she's, she's going that way. Mm. I do too. Now, do I think she can beat Joanna, you know, anytime yeah, in the next two years? Yeah. No, no, yeah. but, uh, man, look, dude, like she's so young. She is with a very good camp. People make jokes about team alpha male, not winning championships. Um, I mean, you know, obviously Garbrandt's won a title, but they've had 48,000 other title shots and never won, but there's a reason they had those title shots in the first place. It's because they're very good. And, and now yeah. they have a coach in Justin Buckholz who, uh, you know, you can say what you will about Dwayne Ludwig. I think Justin Buckholz is a much better coach and he's a whole lot less fucking weird than Dwayne Ludwig. And I, I think that it, as long, yeah, no, dude, <laughs> I think as long, I think as long as she stays there and keeps um, keeps progressing, I mean, she is an animal in the gym. People there have told me that she is just uh, one of the most dedicated people they have on the the entire roster at this point. Uh, they they have a brand new uh, world class high tech training facility. I think that as long as she stays there, she and with Justin Buckles, man, she's in good hands. She can be a world champ. 
Yeah, and I think Collar would probably move to 125, probably the best after missing weight again here. But a yeah. couple of, couple of other, I think Paul Felder did pretty well against Sevier. It's the best he's looked in a while, got the big knockout with elbows. Jack Marshman had a good win by decision. Khalil Roundtree looking absolutely beastly again. Striking looked very good against Paul Craig, who kind of didn't didn't fight up to his, his level, couldn't get in for a takedown. Uh, Danny Roberts against your boy Bobby Nash had a good old finish as well. Beautiful left hand. Houston Dynamo, Bobby Nash. Mm. <laughs> right back Bobby Nash uh, as I said that Danny Henry uh, Daniel Tamer fight I like Tamer as well I like the look of him obviously uh, he's in 145 or so he'll go down and I think he'll do well and Brett Jones and Leslie Smith picked up wins again but the main event do you think I got a question for you though before you go to the main event do you think that Bellator makes an attempt to sign Stevie Ray yeah, I wrote a column about this for uh, for Sherlock last week, which obviously no one read. But uh, no, I didn't. I didn't even know you wrote for Sherlock. So. Yeah, <laughs> he he was taking a chance, really, especially in a tough fight against a guy like Paul Felder, who's I, I thought Stevie Ray would win because he would keep away from him, but Felder was always going to be dangerous because Stevie Ray was always kind of going to strike with him and try to get into his kind of territory where he could he could hit him risky like the thing about signing people from from the uk and ireland for bellator is they're still not on tv here and like what are they signing them for are, are they making big ba- big breakthroughs in the market i'm not sure they are like they have james gallery here so he's going to sell out uh, yana arena mostly because of the kind of the fall down from mcgregor uh, and things like that in, in england the first time they went there they barely sold uh, or they didn't sell the place out, it was half empty. Next time they took Rory McDonald and, and Paul Daly, which was always going to do well. You know, that's basically putting on a UFC fight in there. But like, dude, I'm not sure how well it's actually going for them in Ireland in the UK, unless they have a big draw. Is Stevie Ray a draw? I, I don't think so. They could sign him up. He mightn't cost that much. Their lightweight division is, is some, some you know, is a place that's good. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not... UFC are not going to go all out to buy, pay him anyway. Are 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 uh, Bellator? I don't know. Like the, I remember you reported on with Aljamain Sterling, who is a lot more sellable of a guy who's you know probably a better fighter who could go on to better things than Steve Ray. Could no offense, Steve Ray. I think he's a very good fighter and has done better than a lot of people, including me. Thought he would do, but yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I, yeah. I I I don't think either are going to go all out to get him. I don't think either goes all out, but I I do think that. Um, you know, it, it's one thing to sign somebody because you think he can be a big star uh, in another country as you, you know, expand into that country. Uh, but it's another thing entirely to sign a person just because you think there's a chance he might be a star for the other team, for the other guys, yeah. right? Like, like Bellator may have no intention of, of yeah, they may not see him and, you know, and, and see him as like this huge potential star like they do Gallagher, but they may look at him and go, well, but maybe, I mean, maybe the UFC is going to do something with him. And so because they have, you know, Mr. Moneybags Viacom overseeing them, they can afford to do stuff like that. They can afford to sign people that are uh, to outbid the UFC for people like Stevie Ray, who, like you said, I don't think I agree. I don't think the UFC is going to put up much of a fuss. But then again, the UFC has really not put up much of a fuss for anybody yet, have they? They've kind of just... Yeah rolled over and let Bellator take whoever they want. Gilbert uh, Melendez yeah. was the only one really, wasn't he? The other, yeah. yeah, that was and that was weird. He they gave him a title shot to give him a season of tough and everything because of it. That was that's really the only example. You know, there hasn't been yeah. Mitrion go, they let Phil Davis go, they let Bader go. Who else? You know, so it's they've Robert let a ton I mean Moose yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like they've let a ton of people go and they're not really 
the UFC's not really playing the free agent game. They're not really trying to sign guys from Bellator or, or try to keep their guys from going from Bellator. And I, I think, man, a, lo- a large part of that is due to the fact that, you know, we've got this antitrust lawsuit and this the, the lawsuits yeah. that they're facing. I think a lot of that is due to that. I mean, because they don't want to be seen as that kind of uh, big brand that dominates the entire industry. So they let some people go to Bellator or maybe Bellator is just out. I mean, dude, like everybody who's gone from the UFC over to Bellator has gotten an enormous pay raise. Yeah. Right. And they can get mean, their sponsors back and everything. In eno- yeah. Enormous pay raise. I mean, so if you're a fighter right now, Bellator's looking pretty good. And if I'm Stevie Ray, uh, or if I'm Bellator and I'm looking at Stevie Ray and I'm saying, I mean, maybe we don't have plans for this guy to be the next Conor McGregor of Bellator or whatever, but maybe we can sign him to keep him from becoming that for the UFC. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think that might be a bit of a stretch, but maybe. maybe it is. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's a competition thing. It's not. That we they would sign him just to prevent the UFC from doing something with him. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right, and we we'll, we'll talk about Joseph Duffy in a second as well. But we'll talk. Let's talk about the main event first. Uh, Santiago Ponzinibbio came in against Gunnar Nelson and got a quick knockout after 82 seconds. Uh, I, I actually picked I picked Gunnar Nelson to win this fight last week based on Ponzinibbio not having the best takedown defense. Now he's good at getting up off his back and, and everything like that. But I picked Nelson best based on that because he's good when he gets to the ground. But he didn't really get the chance. And I think Nelson came out, he was looking good. He landed one big right hand on Ponzinibbio and Ponzinibbio kind of came back. I poked him uh, at the exact same time. And I didn't notice that at the time, but Gunnar Nelson obviously mentioned it later and went back and watched it. And he did get him with like a pretty bad eye poke. Gunnar Nelson said that that affected him. And people call that making excuses, but if you go back and look at the fight, he, he was kind of standing in no man's land when Ponzinibbio hit him with the first strike that hit him. It, it, it was kind of, it was weird. Like, usually, you know, Gunnar Nelson, he stands on the outside. He, you know, he he darts in and out. He's light on his feet. If you see someone coming, he'll move to the side, move back. That's usually what he's good at. Now, you wouldn't say Gunnar Nelson is, has the best boxing technique or the best head movement or anything like that, but he uses his feet more than anything. And he's good when he comes in. He can put two or three strikes together. But this, he was standing like someone who was in a karate stance, but in boxing range. And it was really weird. It's not something you, you'd see from him normally. And that's why I think the eye poke might have affected him, that it kind of, maybe he panicked a little bit or you know he was just couldn't get his range right because his eye was hurting him and Ponzinibbio obviously came in landed that big right hand put him down and landed another left against the fence which which put him out um how did you see it the same way or how, how did you see it yeah yeah i saw it the same way i mean i didn't see the eye poke at the time but um yeah it felt like something happened um and and i feel like part of the something that happened was that, that gunner uh was he seemed like he was more confident than usual in, in yeah. his boxing and striking. And maybe that's why he was standing so close. Uh, and, you know, and truthfully, he's, I mean, if you think about the Gunnar Nelson that, that we saw, you know, three, four years ago compared to now, I mean, he has made a world of progress yeah. uh, with his striking, but it not, you know, not quite good enough to go up against a guy like that. Um, and if it was the eye poke, I mean, I, you, look, Gunnar Nelson doesn't really strike me as like the kind of guy who's just going to make up shit, make up an excuse, right? For, just to excuse his loss, he's not really that kind of guy. So if he says he was eye poked, I've got no reason but to take him at his word. And I'll also, dude, I'll tell you one thing: like, I, I, I didn't really feel one way or the other about Ponzinibbio before this fight, but then after his post-fight bullshit, like where he's punching the cage repeatedly and yelling at the camera, and then somehow challenging a retired Carlos Condit to a fight, like, I, <laughs> like after all of that, I really don't like that guy, and I, I, I don't usually get that kind of 
dislike for somebody, but I mean, holy shit, dude, like pipe it down a little bit. You poked a guy in the eye and you, you, and you knocked him out. Good job. Like let's, let's dull it back a few notches. I don't know. I, I thought it was all right. It was like the, the eye you would though, down. because you're that guy. That, I, I you would. Diego Costa is my favorite soccer player. Actually, you see Diego Costa today. He went you down. He went on Periscope wearing Atletico Madrid jersey while he was pissed in Brazil. <laughs> you <laughs> would. You love that kind of stuff. I do. Yeah, I love it. But I, I like watching Ponzinibbio coming up to the, for this fight. I haven't really watched him in detail before because he's never really had a big fight. But he's a very good fighter. He's enjoyable to watch. Goes forward. Can I love a guy like that? I'd, like, I'd love to see him fight someone like um, like a Mike Perry or something like that. Yeah, like, that, somebody who's actually fight. still fighting instead of a retired fighter like Carlos Condit. That is true in fairness, yeah. But uh, yeah, I think it's onwards and upwards for Pantanibio. Gunnar Nelson was ranked number 8. He was ranked number 14, so he'll probably be pushed into the top 10. You know, Gunnar might be just outside it now after this. But it's unfortunate for Gunnar as well because his last uh, main event... Uh, he was supposed to have a main event in Belfast against Dong Hyun Kim, I believe. Got injured from that. He lost to Rick Story in his main event, which was in, uh, I think it was in Sweden. And now another main event, he loses again. It's just, I think it, it's very unfortunate for him. A lot of people, I think you've said he's improved an awful lot. I see see some people saying he hasn't improved. I think he has. I think, I think Gunnar Nilsson's actually underrated on the field. I think his striking is very good. And it's just a lot different yeah. to the way most people actually do strike so i can see why people say he maybe he doesn't have like the boxing technique of other people but i don't think he needs that i don't think that's the way he functions i think something that he always needs to improve on and which he has improved on is his his, his takedowns and going from quicker you know I, I always said about anthony pettis he's too good in play in every place you know he he won't go to his striking enough he will wrestle and he will you know if you take him down he will go for submissions he, he's grand up against the fence he's he's actually very good up against the fence and he but he'll play that game like I think Gunnar Nelson should go full Damien Maia on it. Like, go, just yes. go for takedowns. Just because he can destroy everyone in that division. Make no, the, make no mistake about it. Apart from Damien Maia on, on the ground, he's that right. good. He's really, really good. So I agree. Yeah. He should just spam, dude. He should just spam takedowns. Like, like Damien Maia. Like, if he can't, you, you shoot him for a takedown and you miss, okay, shoot him for another one immediately. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I agree. But then I've been watching this sport since the days when you know it was style versus style and I, I love guys like damian maya who are like fuck it dude like i i'm not that great at the other stuff so i'm just gonna do this one thing that i'm really good at and i'm gonna beat the shit out of guys yeah. i would love to see gunner nelson do that and i i think he can do that and uh, some of these guys are he's such a martial, art, martial artist and i think pettis is the same way that a lot of them want to be so well-rounded but i think at the end of the day you're, it's great being well-rounded but you have to play a winning game plan as well and i think that's definitely a way that he can kind of guarantee a win all yeah. right let's let's move on um and we mentioned there a minute before we got on to next week's card joseph duffy re-signed with the ufc do you think it's a good move do you think uh, do you think they paid him on his work do you think bellator were in for him how do you think it went I don't really know what he um, what he got paid, but I do know that Bellator was interested now in in terms of how the negotiation went and what kind of offers they actually made. Um, I, I you know clearly he decided to stay with the UFC and he did not do so out of brand loyalty. Um, yeah. He was staying around for whatever the best deal was. So I that leads me to believe that the UFC uh, valued his services more so. Than, than Bellator did, which is rare because Bellator just opens up the fucking checkbook for anybody these days. Um, I, you know, it, I, I, it, I get the impression and I haven't actually talked to anybody, but, and I will, I haven't actually talked to anybody about this, but I get the impression that he 
um, was more valued by the UFC. And so he becomes that rare bird that the UFC actually outbids Bellator for. And I, I think it's a good move on the UFC part, uh, UFC's part. And I think it's a great move on his part for the reasons that you stated earlier, uh, Bellator not really having a giant footprint in Ireland yet. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think it's great for, for both parties, <clears throat> especially the UFC, really, because I think Joseph Duffy could have done pretty well in, in Bellator as well. But the UFC need guys like that. You know, Joseph Duffy's a very, very good fighter. I, like, I don't think he's ever going to win the UFC lightweight championship, but I think he can definitely get become a ranked top 10, top five fighter, fighter possibly. Like, I'd love to see him fight Anthony Pettis or someone like that in Ireland. I think that'd be a great main event. There's, there's lots of really good fights. And I know, like, if Conor McGregor does come back, that's a fight that could happen. Imagine Do Joseph Duffy goes out, he beats Anthony Pettis, maybe goes in against someone like a Tony Ferguson beats him. Imagine how big Duffy against McGregor would be. If, you know, I know it, it, there's a lot before you, you see that, though, but that could be a potential huge fight against someone who's already beaten McGregor, you know, down the line again. And I think the UFC have always been, and you know this better than people, most, like, they've always been someone who will... <clears throat> not really bank on the future but get their fighters to bank on the future no yeah. give them contracts that say oh if you get to this title shot you're going to get loads of money maybe not give them as much up front <clears throat> and I'm not, I'm not sure if they did that to Duffy with Duffy because he played that obviously he played the game very well and he got he got the contract he wanted but he knows that's there the UFC know it's there and I think they, they could have banked on that as well you know and I think especially in Ireland as well we saw Neil Seary's gone McGregor could be gone. Uh, Ashley Daly is gone. Paddy Hoolan is gone. Uh, Paul Redmond is gone. You know, who they have Artem left? Who and who else? You know, almost all the Irish fighters are you know are either retired or, or have had to pull out through injury. Uh, of uh, had to retire through injury, and then they kind of they need some of that because Ireland, whether they like it or don't, is a huge market for for the UFC. There's you know it's, it's MMA mad in the country now, and I think def definitely Justin Duffy's a good lad to have. Yeah, no, and I agree, and I think that if if they are cognizant of what what I believe to be coming, which is a Conor McGregor no longer on the roster, no longer fighting for them, then they need to have people to take his place. Um, I, you know, I think I would expect the UFC to make a big play for James Gallagher if, if you know when he hits free agency. I, I don't think he's going to sign a new deal before uh, before his current deal is up, and I, I would expect them to make a big play for that very reason because guys like Joseph Duffy, like you said, like he may not be a world champion, but I mean, dude, if Con if Conor McGregor was going to have one, he's like, okay, I'm going to give you one more fight in the UFC. Um, would you rather have Khabib in Russia or would you rather have Conor and Joseph Duffy, Duffy in Ireland? Like, I mean, I know what I would pick. Yeah, exactly. And I, I could see that happening. I, I really could see that happening, especially if Duffy goes in and beats someone good. But Right. Yeah. Or I, not good. You don't have to beat anybody good. That's to, true. Like, I mean, if, if they want to make that fight, they'll make that fight. That is very true. That is very true. Right. Um, before we get to next week's card, just just uh, Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez are in tough. I know you wanted to see that fight. Uh, you hate it as much as I do. Most people seem to hate it. I love the fight, but I hate yeah. the fact that they're on the Ultimate Fighter because that means they're going to be on a shoot. I mean, I'm not going to see them for starters because, and nobody is really because nobody watches the Ultimate Fighter um, except for you. You probably watch the Ultimate I Fighter. I do watch it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Most people don't, normal people don't watch the Ultimate Fighter. And so I'm not going to see it. Um, and frankly, like, the appeal of Justin Gaethje and Eddie Alvarez for me is not like, okay, let's get these guys on a TV show and watch them talk trash. It's let's get these guys in a fucking cage and let them punch each other half to death. Like that's the appeal of the fight. The We didn't want to see that fight. We weren't begging for that fight because we wanted to see them coaching on a reality show. We wanted to see the fight like, and now we have to wait until December, which is just a crying shame. 
Yeah, the only saving grace, I suppose, is it's already started, you know, and Justin Gaethje, what he only fought last week, so maybe, what, six weeks, eight weeks in the house. It isn't too bad, maybe, but then we have to wait, like, another ten weeks afterwards. I suppose right. it's giving Gaethje time time to heal and things, but, yeah. Yeah, that's a good thing. That yeah. is a good thing. But, I mean, like, I would rather see Justin Gaethje in the house fighting all, everybody from both teams than I would, yeah. <laughs> you know, coaching against Eddie Alvarez. Uh, it is good for Justin Gaethje to heal, but, I mean, look, let's be honest, dude. Like, that style that he maintains is not a style that can be maintained long-term regardless of if he takes time off to coach on a reality show or not. That, like, that he's, is he's not long for that world. He's not long for that cage. Um, you know, he might as well burn as bright as he can while he can. Yeah, that's true. Right, let's get to the next week's cards. It isn't a great card. It's a Fox card. Uh, we have some okay fights. Jimmy Rivera against Thomas Almeida. I was great to see Thomas Almeida fight. Uh, Patrick Cummins against John Valente. Not a great fight. That's uh, a terrible fight. That's yeah, such a bad fight. pretty bad. Chris Wade and Frankie Perez actually opening the card is a pretty good fight. Brian Keller coming back in is a good fighter. It'll be nice to see him. Uh, Chase Sherman, the, the darling of Twitter, is also fighting on that. It, it should have been Chase Sherman against Derek Lewis in the tough house. That's what I said. Yeah. That, would have, that would have been excellent. Um, you should make these decisions. I'm telling you, a lot of people have been saying that, and I agree. No, I, no, a lot of people haven't been saying that. I said I, that. I should, be, of, I should be UFC president. Let's be honest here. I would yeah. I would make a great job of it. Um, Dennis Bermudez and Darren Elkins. Yeah, it's not maybe the, the biggest names in the world. Darren Elkins is, I think, four wins in a row. Dennis Bermudez is a win over Max Holloway. Frank Edgar, after losing 87 title fights in a row, is going to be fighting Max Holloway next, which shows you there isn't really much um, depth in this 145-pound division now that McGregor's gone and that Aldo is kind of on the back burner after losing to Holloway. Do you think one of these, if they won, could get the next title shot after Frank Edgar fights for the 148th time for the title? Uh, I mean, maybe. Like, dude, you were way kinder to this, but uh, Darren Elkins and Dennis Bermudez, like... You were way kinder to this fight than I would be. I mean, it's this is a terrible fight, dude. This is a terrible uh, fight. Yeah, a terrible fight. Look, look, Sean, Sean yeah. I know you like trolling people, but you can't honestly sit there and tell me that anything about watching Darren Elkins fight it makes you like that doesn't that doesn't get you going. There's no I, way you can tell me that. Uh, my boy Mirsad Bektic was beating the shit out of him in his last fight till Elkins came back and had one of the best comebacks ever in UFC history. So I can't hate him after that. Dennis Bermuda is always exciting as well. So it could be, I think it could be a good fight. As I said, they're not the biggest names in the world, but I think it, I think this one could be, I think it could shock you. I think it could be a good fight. Uh, I mean, look, any any fight can be a good fight, that, but I just, I don't expect it. Um, honestly, I almost fell asleep here. If I had a pillow on my desk, I would have fallen asleep while you were talking about it. <laughs> And that's partially because you're boring, but it's also because the fight is itself is just not entertaining at all. So let's let's keep going. I think it'd be fighting nice. Bermuda's will be nice, I think, as well. Uh, the main event: Chris Weidman against Kelvin Gastelum. Two two yeah. proud American boys like yourself. Who do you think's gonna win? Well, for one thing, Kelvin Gastelum is kind of an asshole, and so like. And so, yeah, and so I kind of like, you know, the fan in me that's still down inside me like, kind of hopes for Chris Weidman to turn, you know, to turn a skid around and, and to win this fight and to maybe win by knockout because Kevin Gaslam is just such an asshole. But uh, honestly, I, yeah, things historically, when things start going poorly for fighters and they start getting knocked out and they start having, you know, they go from such incredible heights to such incredible lows like Chris, Chris Wyman has. It doesn't really just get better, especially when you're going against somebody like Kelvin Gaslam, who for all his assholishness uh, is a really damn good and, and fearsome fighter. So, you know, if I had to pick, I usually don't make public predictions because uh, let's be honest, I'm terrible at it. But if I had to make a prediction, I would say Kelvin Gaslam, which means you should probably go bet on Chris Weidman, whatever, you know, whatever the line is. 
Yeah, you should definitely go betting him because I'm picking Gaslam as well. I think. Uh, I, oh I think, God, yeah, yeah, definitely. Pick <laughs> Look, uh, I think uh, they're very different fighters. I mean, like, I, I have an article coming out in the next couple of days. They, they may seem on the, the edge of it as they're the same. They're kind of hard-nosed Americans, but they, they're very different. Weidman likes to counter. He likes to throw. He's, he's all left hook there, like he did against Anderson Silva and landed. He's big power. Gassam likes to come forward, put a pace on you. I think I think this is going to be a decision, and I think it all comes down to maybe the, the the two, three rounds, two, three, and four. I think Gaslam will probably win early, and Chris Weidman will come on late, mostly because Gaslam's style means you'll gas out a little bit, whereas Weidman mean my what Weidman's means you kind of won't because he doesn't put half as much out. But I think Weidman is better wrestling as well. Could get Gaslam on. Like I could see this being Weidman taking him down five rounds and just winning in unanimous decision. That, but I I don't know. I think Gaslam can win the early rounds. You know. I think Aslam will probably win three rounds to two and and Weidman will be maybe close to finishing it late. But I think I just really think it's going to be one of those tight back and forth fights. Although you don't know with Chris Weidman as well. He's taken a lot of damage over the last while. If if Gaslam does go out and win those first three rounds, I'm not sure Weidman can take that much damage again after, you know, that Luke Rockhold fight was one of the worst fights I've ever seen. One of the worst beatings ever. He just absolutely destroyed him, knocked his head into the canvas. You know, yeah. got you know, got hurt in, in the fights after as well. Joel Romero knocked his head off, and then uh, Musasi did the same with the illegal knee. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be a good fight, but I think it'll be a very, very close nip and tuck one. I do too. I, I think for starters, I think Kelvin Gaslam is going to miss weight. Um, you know, it's the return of Fatsalum, which is one of my favorite Twitter things that I've ever said. Fatsalum. Um, and <laughs> number two, I think that, dude, when I think of hard nosed American fighters, I think of like Chris Lytle. I don't think of Kelvin Gaslam or Chris Weidman. Um, well, yeah, I, and like I get what you're saying. All American, though. Yeah. All Americans look the same to me. Yeah, yeah but that doesn't mean he's a that doesn't mean he's a hard nosed American fighter. Like I, when I think oh. of hard nosed American, I think of Tanya Evinger or Chris. You know. The dudes who would be the dudes and women who would be alongside you if you got in a fight in a Waffle House or in the parking lot of a Waffle House or a Walmart, right? Mm -hmm. Like those are hard-nosed American fighters. Uh, but in terms of actual fight analysis, I, I kind of see this the same way you do. I think that you're going to have a close fight. I think that Gaslam is going to score points early. I think he's going to win probably the first two or three rounds, and then Weidman's going to come on big, and he. Weidman is going to come on late enough where he actually loses a uh, a close split decision. There's a lot of controversy and. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like clockwork. I think we're due for one of those fights in a main event of a Fox show, and I think it happens this weekend. I agree. Right, let's move on. We have a few questions. And before we get to that, did you see uh, Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series that this week? You probably didn't. <laughs> no. Uh, that's a good one. <laughs> I, I thought it was actually good. I think it's a good idea for people like me or, or like Grabaka Hitman. Probably it was only the two of us watching it. But uh, yeah, I, I think uh, I, I like the idea of just having a couple of fights on Fight Pass on a Tuesday. I thought the Snoop cast was absolutely hilarious for Snoop Dogg and, and Uriah Faber. I actually like Uriah Faber. I think he's he was really good at doing it. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good idea. No, in, t yeah. I, in all honesty, like all joking aside, I mean, am I going to watch that show every single week? No. Did I watch it the first week? No. Did I want to watch it? Kind of. So at least there's that. <laughs> You should have just said no. You should have said no. Yeah, but uh, it's a thing. It's a little bit like tough as well. I think I'll watch it the first few weeks and then kind of fall away. And then maybe I think Phil Hawes is fighting. Who I know you've you've been a fan of in, yeah. in the past before in a couple of weeks. So that'll definitely be one worth watching. He's kind of a prospect who it hasn't gone too well for yet. But uh, yeah, I can't, I'm actually looking forward to I'm looking forward to the Philip Hawes one. And I will uh, probably be sure to. Yeah, I don't know what I'm doing that night, but I'll be sure to like check out the results on Twitter when you tweet about it. 
Mm, definitely. Right, let's move on to the questions. Mr. Podge, he quotes a tweet from Ariel Hawani saying that he was taken off the, the Showtime Sports uh, May Mac Tour and he asks, this isn't the first time it's happened to Ariel, so uh, I'm not expecting media back- backlash, but he says, what about the MMAJA? Uh, will they do anything? Jeremy, what do you think about this? Have you been involved in this or what, what's your whole take on it? Well, I mean, I, I was involved uh, in the early, you know, a year ago um, when I lost my mind on submission radio after Ariel was banned by the UFC. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody does. Um, so I, you know, I was involved in the early days and then a small group of people, you know, went and did all the uh, legal work. They worked with people at SB Nation and USA Today with Gannett Media. It, it, it took a lot of work for those guys. Um, and so the rest of us kind of bowed out, but I am a member of the MMAJA now, um, as are a lot of people that i know i wasn't accepting yet folks sake. no i never got my email back no well that's because i keep telling them not to accept you maybe (laughs) i don't know maybe they'll listen um but yeah so i I, you know i i we haven't really had a meeting there's a meeting scheduled for for later this month um and i guess we'll see at that point like what kind of response to this sort of thing we would typically issue but i mean to be honest with you sean i I, this to me it doesn't seem like it's a journalist issue because this was a tv gig like Mm -hmm. if dana white had forced showtime to ban ariel from getting a credential they'd pull his credential from cut that's a different story right or at least it should be this is also a boxing fight it's it's the mma journalist association so i'm not sure how much sway we would have i think that would be probably the boxing writers of america um but it's kind of a weird thing because it is a TV thing. I like Ariel a lot. Ariel is a good friend and I, you know, I'm a big fan of the stuff that he does, but this is a TV gig. Now that said, was it really fucking shitty for Dana White to pull Ariel from? I mean, yeah, of course it was. It was super shitty, you know, but that's Dana White. What the fuck do you expect? That is true. That is true. Nobler at Nobs 11. If CM Punk and Floyd Mayweather fought in an MMA fight tomorrow, what way would it go down? Next. Next. <laughs> go on. Who'd win? Tell us. Really? Yeah, in an MMA fight. Come on. CM Punk. CM Punk. In an MMA. Wait. Actually, no. Dude, I don't I don't, I don't want to answer this. <laughs> Let me think about it. Uh, uh, you know what? I would still take Floyd Mayweather because yeah. CM Punk can't punch <laughs> or defend a fucking punch. So, think, Floyd Mayweather. Fight again. Do you think CM Punk will find the UFC I again? Do. He has an opponent, actually, and I don't know who it is, and I'm trying to find out who it is. But he, 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 they expect him to fight in the fall. Winds of autumn. Uh, that's not that far away. Is it? Uh, probably going to be, I'm, I'm thinking it's probably going to be September, October. Yeah. Mm. Is it when's the MSG card coming up? Could it be there? It'll probably be in Chicago. Do I have the Chicago card? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be Chicago. Yeah. Nice. I like that. Uh, Farrell Connolly, thoughts on Boss Logic getting a gig with the UFC and Reebok? I know you've been a fan of Boss Logic. Do you think that's a good yeah. call? Yeah. Of course it's a good, like, I mean, dude, when I was working at Flow, uh, Flow Sports, I hired Boss Logic to do the poster for Submission Underground 1 uh, because he's, he's phenomenal. He's uh, easily the best poster designer. Uh, artist in the business the ufc has some some halfway decent people wme has some halfway decent people but none of them touch the the creativity that boss logic has i agree yeah he's very good i actually bought a couple of these posters there that daniel cormier john jones ufc 214 one was so good unbelievable brilliant they should, see, they missed, that's a missed opportunity dude like they should have paired those posters with the that amazing pre trailer for the show because they're like they're thematically the same thing uh, i think that's a missed opportunity on the ufc's part I definitely agree with that. Uh, Colin Mullen asks, do you think McGregor got inside Floyd's head on the 
and you think it could no. influence his performance? Yeah, I don't think he did. No. Uh, yeah, at all. I think, I, I, like, I, I'm, I'm. People who listen to this podcast know I'm a person who doesn't believe in that at all. What, it, yeah. like, things that can happen inside the cage, maybe. Like, if McGregor comes out and starts abusing him inside the cage, like, you want to shit or something like going up, put his hands out. Maybe that could do something, but I don't think like six months or what, six weeks before the fight, it's going to yeah. make any difference. If it had been a year of just constant abuse and neglect, like <laughs> Jose Aldo suffered. <laughs> like yeah. that that's one thing but dude i mean floyd mayweather has been doing this exact same thing for a decade for 12 years i mean he's been involved in the biggest fights in history uh this i mean look dude Oscar de la hoya abused him verbally and, and he was fine i mean this is this is a guy who has heard it all seen it all um and honestly i think that if anything what connor did i mean you could see it on floyd's face he was smiling and laughing he was beside himself with joy because yeah, he, he finally had a guy yeah he finally had a guy who would hold up their way to the promotional bargain yeah no he ain't getting employed ted yeah yeah you hope <laughs> yeah you ho. yeah that's <laughs> all they got hard work observation uh, <laughs> uh harry paul asks stevie ray versus mark dkc i think that'd be a good fight make that happen Ooh. Do you know Mark? You surely know Mark Casey. Oh, that. Oh, yeah. I could. He's like, no, no. no I actually don't. just didn't Stop hear that. what you said. No, I I like Mark Casey a lot. I, I like that fight a lot. I just didn't hear what you said. But no, that's no. a that's a fantastic fight. And actually, now I really want to see that fight. Me too. Uh, Jimmy Banks, I swear, does Gunny go from here? We talked about that a little bit earlier. Yeah, it's, it's tough. Maybe a little bit of a step back. Although when you're a ranked guy like that, it, it's tough. I see Kobe Covington kind of calling him out. That might be a bad fight for him. What's Kobe Coving going to do? Take him down. That's probably good. Nelson be happy to get taken down. Right. Hopefully he does what you suggested earlier and just goes Damian Maya. Yeah, I agree. Uh, JF Murphy. There seems to be a trend of fighters with poor striking defense in SPG, Pindred, Daly, Paddy Hoolan, Ward, Gunny. Is it confidence or a, a systematic flaw? Uh, I'm not sure. I think they defend differently. As I say, with Gunny, I think he, he kind of defends with his his feet more than his head which is odd i've spoken about this on the podcast before i think patty hoolan wasn't necessarily that bad i don't think he was i don't daily was kind of she was always um an unorthodox fighter of pindred i think he was just it was his speed more than anything. i think he was very slow for the weight i think he was a bit of a more of a kind of a wrestler as well who'd grind you out uh yeah i, I don't think so I, I don't i don't see anything systematic about that uh nate Gildea, how many wins do you think cynthia calvillo is away from a title show two I, I tend to agree with that. And it's a pity as well. You were talking about it earlier on, but I think she's going to get there too quickly. You know, I, I do too. Yeah, that's, that's a pretty about it. Jack Durges, he asked if I, who I think it is, the, the co-presenter, which I uh, I teased a little earlier, asked him to see the guy of the, the video, the video of the guy <laughs> infiltrating the London presser, which you did. I haven't seen. So do you want yeah, to so, tell us about yeah. that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I saw, the, uh, I saw that question and I was like, well, I'm going to have to go check this out just in case it gets asked. So I'm glad I, I checked it out. Yeah, so this, <laughs> this guy... Uh, was able to sneak into the London uh, presser for Mayweather McGregor. And if you haven't seen the video, I retweeted it. Go to my Twitter at Jeremy Botter, and I, I retweeted it because you have to take 11 minutes out of your day and watch this video. It, it is absolutely fantastic. The, I don't want to spoil much, but let's just say the guy makes, um, <laughs> because of a an Instagram post from one of May, uh, McGregor's people, or Mayweather's people, who actually posted a picture of what the credentials look like. The guy was able to actually perfectly replicate a, <laughs> a, um, a media credential and a promoter credential uh, and get into the backstage area, not just the back 
backstage area of this thing. But I mean, he was literally like, he's everywhere. When, when McGregor goes to walk out, when they're announcing him, he's literally standing next to McGregor backstage <laughs> when they're announcing him. Like it's, it's amazing. So go watch it. It's incredible. I need to check that out. All right. We leave it there. Jeremy, have you wanted, you want to pimp out? I know you're asked what at Jeremy Botter on, uh, on Twitter. Yeah. Have you any articles coming out or anything like that? Uh, no, I'm I'm coming over to your neck of the woods to do an article, but uh, that won't be out until closer to the fight in August. So uh, I will actually probably do like a little pub meetup in Dublin at some point or maybe uh, in Cork. And, and I want to try to meet as many people as possible and get as drunk as I did last time. You're coming to Cage Legacy, so you're at see Andrew McGann, possibly. Maybe. Yeah, coming just to see him. Yeah, and, and, and PT. Yeah, so. Yeah, PT's not going to be there, I don't think, actually. Fuck's sake. It's his, birth- it's his birthday today, actually. Happy birthday, PT. But they're having a, a surprise party for him on, uh, on Saturday. Oh, yeah. is it his 40th or is it his 50th, like, I think. 50th birthday? Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So happy birthday, happy birthday yeah uh go to severemech.com forward slash merchandise you can buy we're, we've cups and stuff for sale wait really you've got you've got merch mm-hmm. I gotta, yeah i have to go buy some of this stuff we've had like three purchases so far so please we're very this is actually costing us more money to keep that site up than it's actually people buying it so yeah go there and buy nice. stuff well i'm gonna go buy some stuff for you uh so that i can give it as gifts <laughs> to people i hate for christmas <laughs> Man. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Sheehan Ba. Follow Severe Me at Severe Me. Go over to my Facebook as well, Sean Sheehan MMA. I like that. And Jeremy, I don't know if you've listened to, to the very end of the show before. We're usually in an inspirational quote. Do you want to hear it this week? I do. I well, kind of. Yeah. First, I want I want to hear you go back again because that was, was <laughs> Sean Sheehan Ba. I just say it normally. Now. Do you know where that came from? It was. I do. I, it's funny. <laughs> I was on a it was a TV show in Ireland, the Republic of Telly. They they read out one of my tweets and they called me Sean Sheen Ba. And just ever since then I've started calling it Sean Sheen Ba. So yeah, it's pretty yeah, great. that was good. Okay, here's the inspirational quote for the week. Be like a postage stamp. Stick to one thing until you get there. We'll see you next Tuesday.